Welcome to the projection room where everybody dies in the end. Brent. I had finally gotten a promotion. I've been working at Six Line Six Cinemas for for four years. Doing popcorn, working in the box office, using the mop to clean up spilled popcorn, spilled spilled soda, all that stuff. Mopping a lot, but but today, uh, today my my I guess you could call him manager, Hank was like, "Hey, Brett, you're gonna be doing the projection room." It turns out Ricky's back in jail and we need someone to make sure that the make sure that the films just keep playing and, and nobody else gets in there and tries to sneak in and steal the films. We got a couple premieres later this week and they're in the projection room, but if they're unlocked or stolen, the whole theater will, will go down in a lawsuit. This is a lot of responsibility, he told me, and I, I knew it was a lot of responsibility. I've been a very responsible person. I probably probably cleaned the popcorn machine better than anyone ever has, better than better than Catherine ever did. I I was very excited to be in the projection room, but perhaps I underestimated the responsibility. Hank. These kids. Oh, these, these kids that I have to work with. That, that little scumbag Ricky. I caught him two days ago. Final time, walking out with another movie. The guy's favorite filmmaker of all time is Tom Green. No taste. Stuck in this tiny town of... Putan. <laughs> Putan. It's such a silly name. Putan, Maine. I wanted to be somebody. I was going to be a movie star. I was voted most likely to be the next Kevin Bacon of my high school. Which was weird because Kevin Bacon and I are about the same age. He had just broken through. I thought I was going to make it. I was out in Hollywood for six months. Six months. And then some weird director tried to ask me to take my clothes off. I thought that only happened to chicks. But now I'm here working with this brat, Ricky, stealing these crappy little movies in my crappy little town. So I told this kid, Brett, I see something in this kid, Brett. I see a little me. I think Brett, Brett's the next Zach Efron. Zach Efron. Hollywood agent. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> What's a big Hollywood agent doing in Putan, Maine? Well, let me tell you, the summers out here are beautiful, and my wife just loves it out here, so we figured, you know, let's go to the small town. Let's get away from the rat race of Los Angeles. Let's get away from the traffic and the sunshine and just and just kick back in Maine and eat some lobsters or something. But you know, I'm still I'm still a movie buff. I've always have been. That's what I got into the industry in the first place. 
And a new movie is coming out, uh, one of those new, uh, you know, Hollywood blockbusters. The final movie of the Wickasha trilogy by one of my favorite directors, Tom Green. And I had to go see it. My wife, not so into it. She wanted to leave all of that back home. Well, you know, it's still my job, baby. I got to do it. So I go into the movie theater and I order a ticket from a old man. And when I walk in the door, I see, I mean, must have been, couldn't have been anybody else but a man who once had a dream. I could see it in their eyes. I've seen it enough. People who come out to L.A., think they can do it, think they can make it, and then walk away sad and crushed. This was a man who was sad and crushed. He came up to me, and he, he asked where I was from because he didn't recognize me from the town. Well, I, I told him. I said, you know, I'm not going to – I know what this man is after, but I, I'm not going to mince around. I don't mince any words. I'm going to tell him straight. I'm, I'm a Hollywood agent. I'm one of the most powerful. I can turn any person into a star. Well, you should have seen the look on this man's face. Eyes went wider than saucers. I never did get to see that movie that day. But no matter. I heard it was shit anyway. Hollywood agent. Now, one of the reasons I went to this theater in particular, and Putan has two movie theaters, is that they still use old 70 millimeter at this place. It's, uh, it's hard to find. It's rare, and it's so strange that a small town even has a theater that still uses film, but I think it's the real film experience. I think digital, while fancy and cheaper, it doesn't capture the heart of film for me, personally. And so, this, this the Six Line Six Cinemas is, here has a fantastic collection of, of new and old films, and so when I was approached by this man, I said, well, I wanted to ask him, what, what other films do you have? I'd love to see your collection to see if I can't, you know, buy any and, and bring it back to uh, <laughs> old friends. Old friends back in Los Angeles. Uh, a, bu- a, a fly started to buzz around my head and landed in my popcorn. Uh, the manager looked... Right at my popcorn, his, his name tag said Hank, and I said, Hank, can I get a new popcorn? He said, well, no. The, really, honestly, you should have batted away the fly. I was like, well, come on, Hank. He said, you can just take the pieces of popcorn that the fly touched, and you can just throw those away. And I'm honestly, I'm used to better service than that in Los Angeles, where I'm a Hollywood agent. Because I am a Hollywood agent, and I expect to be treated as such, even though... I'm in Maine. So I said, Hank, you're gonna, first of all, you're going to show me your old movies. Second, you're going to give me a brand new fucking popcorn. Now, Hank, he's a man of morals, and I respect that. But I do not respect how he is standing up to me. I do not respect that. That's disrespectful to me. So I give him a little pu- push. You know, if you don't get your way in L.A., you got to push people physically. Give him a little shove. Show him who's boss. I said, now take off all your clothes. Brent. I was surprised when I opened the box for the 3.30 showing 
I, I cracked it open. It had a nice seal to it, a nice sound to it, a nice little as it opened. And it felt satisfying to open the film. And I saw, I saw right away that the film, as I read the back of the movie, it was, it was upside down in the box, and I saw right away from the director of Freddy Got Fingered, and I thought, hmm, a Tom Green film. Ricky's going to be here because he's going to want this. Ricky loved Freddy Got Fingered and the many other subsequent Tom Green films. I figured I would be safest if I just stayed in the in the room and and stayed in the projector room and and kind of managed everything there and there's no way Ricky could get into the projector pro, just there's there's no way Ricky can get into the projector room if if I'm there, that's what I thought. And that's the motto I stuck to from 2.53 until 3.20, 10 minutes before the movie was starting. We were still running the Coca-Cola promos and the trivia at the start of the film, which is a, a very simple loop. It's very easy to run that one. I was what we learned in orientation when everyone had to learn a little bit about the projector. So I was able to do that, and then I get a knock, on my door, it's, it's, it's Catherine. She says that there's a big commotion downstairs regarding the, regarding the popcorn machine, and, and we really could use an extra hand. And I thought, hey, popcorn machine, I can solve anything in 10 minutes. But when I get downstairs, Hank, my manager, who's put a lot of trust into me, is, in, is, is being told to take his clothes off by some man in very large sunglasses and and a thick mustache and and hair that looks as if it could be a wig he's wearing he's wearing a a, a fine suit that might be a, a little too tight on him and and he's shaking two rings a fistful of rings he's he, but he's making sure to shaking his rings but also in a fist to intimidate hank but hank hank is standing his ground he's He's being very, very brave, I would say. He's, he's seemingly standing up to this Hollywood agent. And I said, what, what does this have to do with the popcorn machine? And Catherine goes, that's what it all started with. There was, there was flies coming out of the popcorn machine. And one of the flies was bothering this man. And I said, flies coming out of the popcorn machine? And would you believe it? I was gone for, for four hours in the projector room. And Catherine or one of the other dimwits at the popcorn stand had somehow turned it into a fly incubator. Hank. Don't you shake that fistful of rings at me, I said. This is Peyton Maine. Putad Maine. <laughs> My nickname for Putad is Peyton because it doesn't sound so fucking stupid. And uh, we don't walk around showing off our our bling or our or our got got stones on our on our fingers. I don't know what the kids say. He looked at me kind of weirdly when I said "got stones on our fingers." I said all my expressions come from the 1960s. 
you wouldn't understand that because you were a punk ass young man. And then like, boom, it hit me this flashback, these rings shaking in front of my face. And I was there in the 1960s, standing in front of that director, bare ass naked. And I just lost it. I just flew into a rage and I smacked that popcorn into his face and it flew everywhere. And then in the chaos of the moment, I realized, you know, like one of those slow motion shots where you see Kevin Bacon slowly walking across the screen. And I stared at him and I realized this whole thing was a setup for Ricky. Flies in a popcorn is the kind of joke that a dumbass comedian like Tom Green would do. He once put a microphone with poop on in front of people's face for funny things. And the man married Drew Barrymore, so you know what I'm saying. Flies in the popcorn, there was only one man who would have figured that out as a way of distracting us. And I saw this blur go by me. And I realized that it was going to be a Ricky versus Brett fight to the death in the projection room. Now, mind you, I said Brett's... <laughs> <laughs> the next Zac Efron. <laughs> but Brett don't look like no Zac Efron. This is a pimply-ass teenager right out of The Simpsons, I'm telling you. You haven't heard it yet, but his voice does squeak once in a while. And Ricky, man. Ricky's a built son of a gun. That show-off was going to be to save my great collection. My great collection of... 70 millimeter prints. <laughs> 70 millimeter prints <laughs> of the naked gun collection. <laughs> 30 copies of each film. The greatest movies ever made. I'm crying about it right now, thinking about Leslie Nielsen. He's better than Kevin Bacon. I said it. So I said, that movie producer, son, I know you from Hollywood. I know you don't understand how small towns are. But you and I got to go into this projection room. Because great cinema is at risk. Brent. Now, if I remembered science class correctly, it takes almost a day for flies to become become alive and so i thought hey ricky couldn't have put these flies in here today because he's in jail but he could have put them in yesterday and right then i got a buzz notification on my phone saying that there's a missing person who's broken out of jail and they described him as being five foot eleven two hundred and ten pounds a scar across his right ear. No one else it could have been other than Ricky. He had broken out of jail, and he was making his move. I thought to myself, oh no, I need to get back to the projector room. Because if Ricky goes in and steals the, the film, it's not going to be able to be put on by at 3.30, and the guests are going to get mad, and I'll have failed my responsibility. And... And I can't fail Hank. I, I needed to do this, so I, 
I tried to sprint and I sprinted. And I took a big breath of air before sprinting. And I found on my way to the projection room, I kept breathing, but I kept breathing in more, more flies. The flies had become attracted to me. They had known my, my scent of butter from using the popcorn machine and thought to me like a mother and were constantly swarming me. I was surrounded by flies. I go into the projection room and I see Ricky. And he says, if you come in here with those flies, they're going to blot out the screen. No one's going to be able to see the movie. So it doesn't matter. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. And then I turn around and I see Hank. And I said, Hank, I can't go in there. He's, he's got the film, but I can't go in there with all these flies around me. And Hank's like, that's very brave of you. So go on, take those flies. Take them as far outside as you can get. And I took the flies and I, and I ran out the emergency exit in the back. And I was very nervous because I was so afraid of letting down Hank. Hank would not be able to stand up. Stand up to Ricky. He's too, Ricky's too strong. And so I go outside hoping to get rid of the flies and I hope to run really fast in one direction and then lose them by running the other direction. But in all the chaos and surrounded by flies, I, I ran in one direction. And then I immediately ran. I ran right off the pier into the cold main Atlantic Ocean. And, and I got caught in, a, in a, a lobster fisherman's net. And, and I drowned. Hollywood agent. Now, I'd like to really quickly clarify what I meant by, now take off all your clothes. <laughs> I didn't mean it like a weird sexual thing. It's a power play, you understand. You see, when you're in a meeting with studio bigwigs, and you're negotiating a contract, and you tell them to take off all their clothes, they're going to give you whatever you want. They know that you're in charge. This time it backfired. This isn't Hollywood where we all kind of know, like, oh, this is a power play sort of a thing. This isn't. And I forgot. I forgot that I was in Putan, Maine, a small town on the east, northeast coast. He took it poorly. He knocked my popcorn right out of my hands. It's fine. I wanted a new one anyway. And then he told me to go into the projection room with him to determine the fate of great cinema through a bare-knuckle fist fight between two of his employees. And I thought, well, it feels just like home. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many bare-knuckle fist fights I've been to in Los Angeles, especially in the industry. Oh, every other week. Puton, Maine, a little bit of L.A. <laughs> so, I. Uh, I'm excited to go in there, and immediately, when I, right when I get up there, uh, an acne-ridden young man with flies all up in his mouth just runs out. I hope that wasn't one of the fighters, otherwise that would be quite disappointing. I walk in, and there's a burly-looking man with holding a print. I said, oh, excuse me, so what kind of print is that? He says, it's a 70-millimeter print of Naked Gun. You're going to give me that print? And he goes, excuse me? I said, Kid, I want that print. 
Give me that print. He looks me in the eyes and he fluffs himself up. So I use my old power plant. Now take off all your clothes. And then he stabbed me in the heart with a shiv. Oh, Puton, Maine. So close to LA and yet so far. Hank. This outsider looked me square in the eyes. We connected, him and I. We realized maybe he was just a little bit Putan, and maybe I was still a little bit Hollywood. And just then I realized, take off all your clothes was just the thing that Hollywood people say. <laughs> and I realized that that was what that guy was trying to say to me 50 years ago. It was just a power play. I blew my only shot because I misinterpreted <laughs> a power play. <laughs> Not sure why he was naked. But it was a power play. I was convinced at that moment. And I realized there's only one thing to do to get over this experience. I got naked myself. <laughs> I dramatically stripped off my clothing. And I told everybody, this is me. This is who I've always been. I am a film star. On the inside. Can't you see it now that I stand here naked in front of you? Not the reaction I expected. People started screaming. People were covering their kids' eyes. They said, Six Line Six Cinemas is now the number two movie theater in this town. I couldn't believe it. My life was flashing before my eyes. Everything I had built up. And then I saw this man, this Hollywood type. His wig fallen back and forth on his shoulders and he opened the door to the projection room and I realized he was going to die. Because everyone knows Ricky loves to, to ship people. <laughs> That's why he was in prison. <laughs> He's shipping everybody. And I saw that man breathe his last gasp in front of me, standing there bare-ass naked in my movie theater. And I thought, that's it. I'm six degrees away from Kevin Bacon. Of course, Kevin Bacon is my favorite film star. That's number one. He was in that movie, The Woodsman, where he plays a child molester. And that's how I felt in Hollywood, was molested, which is number two. His brother makes a band called the Bacon Brothers, and me and this man here, we had just become brothers. That's number three. <laughs> number four was that Kevin Bacon liked to dance in front of people. That's how he became famous. And here I am standing naked. And number five, of course, <laughs> was that movie Apollo 13. Because Kevin Bacon took the risk of a life in front of everybody. And he went up into space. And I had taken the risk to go to Hollywood. And number six was they had crash landed. And somehow, miraculously, he survived. 
but I was crashing and I wasn't going to survive. And there it was, the popcorn machine, haunting me. Everything I had built collapsing around me because of some stupid popcorn. And there I went, diving face first into that hot, hot butter. <laughs> and as it slowly burned my flesh, I thought, I've made it. I'm an entertainer. <laughs> Rate and subscribe.